both presidents from the Arizona schools speak on the potential for the Big 12 taking Pac-12 schools and kind of shoot it down just a little bit. What does it mean? That's all coming up on today's Locked On Big 12 podcast. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 podcast. It is the 15th of March when I'm recording this uh, in the afternoon, in the evening. So you all are seeing this on the 16th of March. Happy March Madness. It begins today. But there is some news we have to get to before we can really enjoy the hoops. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Our goal is 3,700 subs by the end of March. Thank you guys for helping us cross over that goal of ours, which was 3,600. We're currently at 3,641, so help us. Get over that threshold if you guys could. Find us on Twitter at LOBig12. Find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. If you guys want to listen to the show uh, and not watch the video version on YouTube or you can't watch it because you're driving or whatever, make sure you guys find us locked on Big 12, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. All right, so today's show is about some comments made by Arizona State's president, uh, Michael Crow, and then also... We got comments from the uh, University of Arizona president as well. I'm totally blanking on uh, on his name. Um, but they made some comments, uh, Robert C. Robbins, there you go, Robert Robbins, about you know the potential for Pac-12 uh, schools leaving for the Big 12. And ASU's president, Michael Crow, was more towards the side of um, all options are being explored, but we want to stay at the Pac-12. We'll dive into those comments. Arizona's president was very much about the onus being on George Klyavkov, but also reiterating, hey, we'd like to be in the league. And so I want to start there, guys. I want to start with all of this. All right. The one thing we have to operate with when we approach this entire subject is this, is that the entire time I have been saying this, other people have been saying this. If you have not been operating on this assumption, it's really difficult to grasp all of this. The Pac-12 schools, everybody included, the four corner schools is in there too. Everybody wants to remain together in the Pac-12. That's what they would like to do. That is option one. The Big 12 is not option one for these schools. That has always been the case. That is going to, you know, I think be the case for the next uh, little while. That well, It's just the case in general, right? I mean, it, it might be the option they end up choosing, but it's not option one. And that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, they value their, their regionality. Number two, they think that they can get the same, they hope they can get kind of the same amount of money as the Big 12 while remaining, uh, you know, regionally where they are right now. And then I think a third big reason this, and you know, I think this could be the primary one, but I'm just listing these in no particular order. The college football playoff access, you know, the one saving grace the Pac 12 might get from complete disintegration in this entire thing is the fact that. In the new college football playoff format, there are six guaranteed spots for conference champions. It is more than likely that whoever wins the Pac-12 will have a seat at that table, will be one of the top six conference champions. Can I guarantee you every single year they're going to be ranked as high as everybody else's? No, but I guess that can be said for some of the other conference champions, maybe even the Big 12s as well. But still, you know, I, I can't guarantee that. And if you think about What's possible in the Pac-12? It feels like winning there. While the new Big 12, they're not like the Oregons and Washingtons of the world. But right now, there's USC, there's UCLA, there's Oregon, there's Washington, and Utah is still running that thing right now. 
And also you think about it like this too, guys, like once, like once everybody leaves the competition level in that league is going to go down because there are two programs in the league off the bat that do not care about football, about athletics at all. Stanford and Cal have made it abundantly clear. They, they are just not that invested in athletics. They do not care about basketball. I mean, they care about football to a certain extent. I think Stanford does a bit more, but really like where is the, where is the desire for them to, to desperately move on from David Shaw and get somebody who's awesome? Cal, I think Justin Wilcox, too. It's a really challenging job. But, you know, there's just nobody stepping up being like, we got to turn this thing around. We're going to do it. And, you know, even in Arizona, there is, a, there is a vision with Jed Fish. At ASU, there is a vision with the Kenny Dillingham. At Colorado, there is a clear vision. You know, when, you, when you're hiring, uh, obviously, a guy like Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, there is a pretty clear vision, right? And those two programs are just kind of like, meh. There's not really much of a vision right now for those two programs. And they, they seem, a, they seem pretty content with that. And uh, as for right now, they feel like kind of free wins. And then you look at the big 12 guys and like, I know it's only two schools, but still that's, that's, you know, in a 10 team conference, that's 20% of the league. Now with Kansas and Lance Leipold linking up and that being a very successful partnership so far. And I expect that to continue, uh, you know, at least relative to Kansas. There is, you know, there's nothing easy in this league. I've used, I've used the example before and everybody says, you know, there's no easy games. Look at Iowa state's defense last year, a killer group, a killer group. Their offense was terrible, but still, you knew if you played Iowa state, you're going to work your tail off to score, to score points against them. It was a challenge for pretty much, I mean, for a lot of teams in the league, uh, you know, save uh, a couple of them, right? I mean, uh, you know, and their offense didn't put their defense in great spots, but TCU had a great game against them. But like, really, it was it was a challenge to score against Iowa State all year long. Kansas obviously is well coached. There are good coaches everywhere. There are good players everywhere. Programs like TCU have been elevated. Baylor has been re-elevated, and they weren't good last year. Uh, Oklahoma State obviously is maybe you know probably the best coach in the conference. They're adding four places that have had very recent success in football. That thing has to be accounted for. Ten win seasons, all the all the schools they're adding, and there is it's pretty clear like there are no easy outs in this league at all. No easy outs. There used to be one. It used to be Kansas, and Kansas for some teams was an easy out this year. You know, I think about like, uh, like Texas absolutely throttles Kansas, right? But even when Baylor was pounding on them, Kansas came back and rallied. Even when OU was pounding on them, Kansas came back and rallied. And so, like, they were, they were not an easy out. There was no easy out to this conference. TCU, the eventual, you know, CFP team uh, that, that's, a, you know, ascended to, to be in a national championship game, they, they were in a, a war with Kansas, an amazing knockdown, dragout game. Obviously, K-State's the world are here as well. You know, West Virginia is, like, kind of the only school right now that feels like it's, an, you know, it doesn't know what it's doing, but – there were even games this year West Virginia was was winning, right? They beat they beat Oklahoma this year. You know, Kansas double overtime game obviously was a, was a crazy game. Oklahoma State they beat at the end of the year. So there are no easy outs in a Stanford uh, Cal type of way. And when you think about the college football playoff portion of this, uh, and and kind of the ease, not the ease, but like what, where it's easier to win. Yeah, the, this this conference is open, but. It's a difficult road to get there. It's it's such a competitive, good league. And in the Pac-12, there is a road, there is a path. Now, there are a couple of bigger bodies in the way, if you will, right? A couple of bigger brands in the way. But, you know, the path to getting there, they feel like is a bit easier because of the depth and just kind of the, the ascension through the depth is a bit easier because there is less less quality depth. 
right? There, there's less of that. And I mean more for like those four quarter schools, because if you're Arizona and you're or Arizona, uh, uh, Washington state and you're Oregon state, like you are just kind of at the mercy of this entire conversation. If you're Utah, you are winning. If you're Colorado, you're saying, well, if they, Utah can do it, we can get coach prime, get better players. We can do it. If you're Arizona state and Arizona, you're like, we are sleeping giants. We should be able to do this. And we'd like to stay in the Pacific time zone and do it and not have to adjust our recruiting, uh, you know, our recruiting attack. You know, while it could help them down the line being the Big 12 in terms of football recruiting and whatnot, it's just an adjustment they have to make. And so I think right now, like they're seeing that as a possibility. And if the money's in a similar spot and the visibility doesn't get crushed, then they want to do that. that. That's valuable to them. And look, I know there's debates about what's easier, but like I think that CFP access, John Wilner has said it, I think with Utah obviously being a great example of a team that recently joined the league in the last you know like decade and a half or so and is having success at an incredibly high level in the league uh, against traditional powers is a good example of what that offers, right, of, of the path that it offers. So it's, you know, whether to compete or not, I don't know. But getting there, it's, I mean, I think there is some credence to that idea. So then we have to go now to what's being said. ASU President Michael Crow was a bit more aggressive in what he said. But once again, guys, we have to pay attention to the way he is saying things. And I think it's important that we're seeing Pac-12 presidents speak because right now the uh, and the public and the public eye and the conversation spaces that we're, you know, we're having about this. The Big 12 has kind of been winning the PR battle and George Klyavkov has been quiet recently. And I think the president's coming out and trying to kind of change the narrative a little bit. I think that shows that their desire to stay together is still there, right? They're, they're going out there. They're saying it. Now there are some qualifiers here, but they're going out and they're saying it. So let's read here. This is what Michael Crow had to say, quote, we're close to knowing what we're going to be. And I think we're close to a deal. Crow said, I think that the PAC 12 media rights became more complicated with the departures of USC. You say, no, you know what, Sherlock, the media rights became more complicated also as things always do, because markets go like this, the big 12 jumps in front, then there's your market for you. They're up and down, up and down, but we have a fabulous sports. We have fabulous sports teams and the remaining teams. We're going to get a good offer. We're in the final stages of that process. He also said, about the renewed contact between Big 12 schools and, uh, or excuse me, Pac-12 schools and the Big 12. Quote, there have been no discussions with the Big 12 conference on moving, Crow said. I mean, there's been discussions between everyone everywhere on all things related to where our conference is going and where stuff's going to end up and what's happening. We are committed to the Pac-12. So let's, let's take apart those two things. First, the one up top. Notice how he says this. We're going to get a good offer. We're in the final stages of that process. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It all says we're close to a deal. Those two things, unless he misspoke, guys, those two things don't seem like they can kind of coexist. How are you close to a deal if you don't have a number on the offer. Once again, how are you close to a deal 
if you don't have the numbers that you want. You might know generally where the numbers are, but if you know generally where the numbers are, how in any way, shape, or form is that closing in on a deal? Closing in on a deal is know the numbers are, and now we're just haggling over, you know, how many games are going to be here and there, what the picking process is going to be like, stuff like that. Like that is that's that's towards the end of the deal. Now that could be the that could be the case, but you know, if you're saying we're going to get a good offer, that means that you have not gotten a good offer yet. Or you've seen some numbers that might indicate you get a good offer. But what is that saying right there? We're going to get a good offer. Have you been given a good offer yet? Is that the implication they do not have one? I think it's worth worthwhile looking at those comments because, you know, if, if they had had a, if they're close-ish to a deal, the way you'd say it is, the numbers are going to be good. We have been talking. We know the numbers are going to be in a comfortable place for us. We're cool with staying in the Pac-12. That's not what he said. And then he has his comment about there are no discussions with the Big 12. I mean, there's been discussions between everyone everywhere on all things related to our conference. You know, what's that movie that just won the Oscar? Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, that's what he said. There's conversations everything about everything, everywhere, all at once. It's all happening. It's just a nothing burger from what he said. Now, there have been no discussions with the Big 12. Um, you know, I think the Big 12 is in regular contact with these schools. And while it might not be a direct conversation, all right, this is what us moving there looks like. We're doing this. There's, I'm pretty confident that there have been some back channel conversations about this. Arizona has been pretty honest about being like, yeah, we're talking, we're, we're having the conversation. So we're gonna get to their comments in a second. But I think Michael Crow, his comments are a win for the Pac-12 in this way. It shows that commitment that I referenced earlier that the four corner and a lot of other PAC schools, uh, PAC 12 schools have on wanting to remain together. There is a desire for that fully. And while a member like Arizona might not fully desire that there, they are going to probably go as some of their partners go, right? They're their own entity. They can make their own choices, but you expect them to kind of go as a block and their priority is the same, right? I don't think it's a situation where Arizona's sitting there being like, these dummies are going to take, you know, uh, $10 million less and kill their visibility and they still want to be here. Uh, I guess we have to stay, right? Like, I think I think that's not a situation where they're going to be the only people isolated. Now, Arizona people, the, the folks there might feel more strongly about a move to the Big 12 than the other schools do. And actually, the funny thing is Colorado is the one really quiet school about all of this. But Arizona right now is kind of the leader in the clubhouse in terms of publicly being out there. Let's hear what their president had to say. But first, a quick word from our sponsors on today's show. And guys, you, you'll want to hear what their president had to say because he had some pretty honest comments that basically reaffirm everything that we've been talking about. Once again, though, we are brought to you all by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the number one sportsbook in America. If you guys want to bet on tomorrow's NCAA tournament action or any of the NCAA tournament action, you guys can go to FanDuel today and do so. FanDuel, once again, America's number one sports book. They've got NBA. They've obviously got college hoops. Got anything you guys could want there. And you guys can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. If you guys go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to, uh, to learn more. So what did the Arizona president have to say about all of this. Uh, I believe it's, I just said Robert Robbins, uh, Arizona, Arizona president um, was Robert Robbins or Robin, whoever it is, uh, what he had to say about all of this. So once again, 
very interesting conversation here about the way that he framed uh, some of the stuff that was said. Hold on, I just had it pulled up. It was a second ago. Um, but basically about like the way that, hey, this is going to fall on George Klyavkov. This is going to fall on him to bring us a deal. We'd like to stay, but it's on him to bring us a deal that makes sense. So here are some comments from what he said. This piece from John Willner, it's great. And I think John kind of highlights this way too. I would love to be closer to the Big Ten or SEC in terms of money, he means. But being closer to the Big 12 is more realistic, Robin said. Klyavkov is what he means. I forgot he said. I think he might have said he has done a great job working on the media deal. And I think he'll bring us something that's good enough. Interesting choice of language. Good enough. Not good, not great. Good enough. Asked about speculation over the future of the conference, Robbins rejected the notion that schools, including Arizona, would bolt for the Big 12 prior to being presented with a media rights proposal. Quote, it's heavily dependent on Commissioner George Klyavkov and his team negotiating a good media deal for us to stay competitive, he said. But he painted a nuanced picture for Arizona, citing the school's proximity to the Big 12 footprint and that the league's powerhouse basketball brand as the basis for, quote, some affinities, end quote. Ultimately, Robbins framed the future of the Pac-12 as a business decision with the onus on Klyavkov to craft a competitive media rights deal. So guys, uh, the whole point of this conversation that we're having today is good on Pac-12 presidents for getting out there and pushing back because it shows their desire to remain together, to stay as a block, to keep the Pac-12 going, which once again, guys, I'm all for the health of the Big 12, but also I don't want to see my sport collapse really, really fast. So if even if there is a deal done, I'm still not going to be completely broken up about it because there is some kind of structural integrity to the, to the, you know, to the college football. It's still being held, even if it's going to be, you know, fleeting, I guess you could say, but I I'd be glad about that. The, the part of this we have to understand though, is that while they want to stay together, guys, it it's dependent on the numbers that they're going to get. This has always been the case. This has always been dependent on what numbers George Klyavkov is going to bring them. Now, nobody knows the numbers are, and I've heard there's been a lot of silence on Klyavkov's side, which makes you think that he is grinding to get a deal done. He is trying the best he can. The big thing is, though, here, he's got a bunch of mouths to feed. A, 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 a Oregon State and Washington State will pretty much go with whatever, right, because they're, they're the last dogs of the bowl this entire thing. The four corner schools, I'm wondering what their priorities are in all of this. Is it just kind of get close to the Big 12 or is visibility being factored in? Because once again, the question with all this is what is the line that the presidents and athletic directors and and folks in charge at these schools will draw? And that line will be defined by visibility and money. So if it's the same money number as the Big 12, and they take a haircut on the visibility side, they take less visibility, they might just do that because it gets them where they want to be. If it is less money and on par visibility, which I don't think it is at this point, with the Big 12, maybe you take that. If it's less money and less visibility, which I think is the way everybody believes this thing is trending, the question is, how much do you put up with? And some of the comments were, well, why would we leave for a, I think another one I saw was a couple million bucks difference, two to $4 million difference. And that's fair. But I think somebody else noted, like, there is also the visibility portion of this. So that is going to cost you down the line. It's going to cost you the media, but also going to cost you down the line. 
And this is where the balance is. It's not just straight up numbers. Or, and if it is those presidents, they're not doing the right job. We know how important the visibility aspect of, it, of this is. Every coach and even the former Pac-12 coaches that I think was a Dennis Dodd talked to a few weeks ago about, you know, they, they all said visibility is important. And those are all guys going into living rooms, talking to players, potential prospects. The visibility of the conference is very important. The visibility of your school is very important. You want to be on TV. You want to be playing in big games. Big games and more exposure. More exposure means it looks good for recruits. More recruits means better players, better. Once again, I've said about a lot of stuff. It is a cycle that feeds itself. So what is the visibility that they're willing to take? And the problem is, is that every president, every administration, every AD's idea of what is acceptable in both of those realms might be different. I would venture to say it is different. Now, I would think that the four corner schools, there is there is a potential for them to feel like it needs to be a like-minded approach, a like-minded conversation because of kind of the way that they're situated. But I think it's pretty clear that Utah is a different, different definition then, uh, you know, Utah's definition of what's acceptable will be different than the definition of acceptability from an Arizona. And Arizona has positioned themselves clearly here to say, yeah, we're talking to both. Also, the reason why, you know, the, the reason, because I don't think the Big 12 is going to feel slighted by this. I think they understand publicly these presidents have to say things like this because it also keeps their options open. You know what I mean? Like the Big 12, they're still going to keep courting, right? Just because these presidents say this stuff does not mean the Big 12 is done coming after these Pac-12 schools. It just means that, you know, right now the answer is no, and they're still waiting. And it's a waiting game right now for both sides. And uh, so, you know, I feel like you lose your leverage if you're like, yeah, there's, it's, you know, th this TV deal is not going well, but we want to stay here. And so screw the Big 12 or, you know, no, it's out. We're out on the Big 12 completely, totally. It's not going to happen, whatever. Like both, both of these presidents left clear wiggle room for this entire situation saying it's not happening right now, which is good because, it, you know, if you express more doubt then the TV partners in the Pac-12 part of this are going to be like, well, now we need to cave in because we can't get any of these teams now. Like they still want to get these teams, these, these, these TV companies. The big question is, how do we get them? Right. And can, do we have to pay for all of them? I think it's a possibility that, you know, if, if you're a president, you're saying, well, you know, the, our priority is, is staying here in the Pac-12 uh, or, or, or you waver on that at all. Then what what is the impetus for the TV companies to come back and say, yeah, we'll make you a strong offer because, well, I might be able to get you. Actually, I might be able to get you for cheaper. Why should I match anything? You know, why should Fox match anything uh, or even pay, like, you know, a, a bunch more money for a school coming in if they know that the Pac-12 side of things is just not going very well? Um, and, and, you know, like, not, you know, things are not, not going on that side of the street. And, uh, you know, the big 12 is their only option. If the, if, if the big 12 looks like their only option, if it looks like they're only out, if they project too much desperation, then, you know, why should the big 12 even give these schools full shares if they're desperation mode? Um, I would say also too, I mean, I think the full share is worth it for the, uh, for the future of the conference, because it, it really does hurt the pac 12 and makes it a lesser league. But you have to understand from that perspective, a unified front is good for all things negotiation. So while it might not be the reality, it is important for those Pac-12 presidents to put out a, a face like this. So I think it's, it's a um, smart move on their part. The big question is, will it work? And will, will things, you know, what uh, the numbers will actually be? So I actually don't know if we learned anything today. 
I think it was a nice day for the Pac-12 to have two schools that have been kind of targeted by the Big 12 specifically come out and have their president say that stuff. I'm not sure how much of a difference it makes, to be honest, about their situation. The only thing that we have to know here is that what are the numbers, and we don't know and we will know, is that those guys know the numbers and those folks know what their priorities are. They know what their, and I'm not saying their their just or their um, assessments are right or, or right or wrong when it comes to how much money, how much visibility, and how much can we lose in those two departments. Not saying those are are, are correct assessments, but they know what they're willing to tolerate. It's Klyavkov's job to make sure it's like this is what we have. Will you take this and kind of bring them around to it? Uh, so while it's a good day for the Pac-12 because they're getting a bit more of the narrative steam back behind their train. Still, the situation remains largely unchanged because guess what? There's no television deal. And George Klyavkov did not speak last week. So the situation, while it will improved, it doesn't change the numbers and the dollars and the cents, which really would have to make sense in all of this. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, like the videos, leave comments. The next time, my friends, as always, Stay safe and enjoy the basketball.